Chapter Eleven of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Lady Knollys sees the features. Perhaps if Madame had murmured, "It is quite well. Pray permit me to sleep," she would have escaped an awkwardness. But having adopted the role of the exhausted slumberer, she could not consistently speak at the moment neither would it do by main force to hold the coverlet about her face and so her presence of mind forsook her cousin monica drew it back and hardly beheld the profile of the sufferer when her good-humoured face was lined and shadowed with a dark curiosity and a surprise by no means pleasant she stood erect beside the bed with her mouth firmly shut and drawn down at the corners in a sort of recoil and perturbation looking down upon the patient so that's madame de la rougiere at length exclaimed lady knollys with a very stately disdain i think i never saw any one look more shocked madame sat up very flushed no wonder for she had been wrapped so close in the coverlet she did not look quite at lady knollys but straight before her rather downward and very luridly i was very much frightened and amazed and felt on the point of bursting into tears so mademoiselle you have married it seems since i had last the honour of seeing you i did not recognise mademoiselle under her new name yes i am married lady knollys i thought every one who knew me had heard of that very respectably married for a person of my rank i shall not need long the life of a governess there is no harm i hope i hope not said lady knollys dryly a little pale and still looking with a dark sort of wonder upon the flushed face and forehead of the governess who was looking downward straight before her very sulkily and disconcerted i suppose you have explained everything satisfactorily to mr ruthyn in whose house i find you said cousin monica yes certainly everything he requires in effect there is nothing to explain i am ready to answer any question let him demand me very good mademoiselle madame if you please i forgot madame yes i shall apprise him of everything madame turned upon her a peaked and malign look smiling askance with a stealthy scorn for myself i have nothing to conceal i have always done my duty what fine scene about nothing absolutely what charming remedies for a sick person ma foi how much oblige i am for these so amiable attentions so far as i can see mademoiselle madame i mean you don't stand very much in need of remedies your ear and head don't seem to trouble you just now i fancy these pains may now be dismissed lady knollys was now speaking french milady has diverted my attention for a moment but that does not prevent that i suffer frightfully i am of course only poor governess and such people perhaps ought not to have pain at least to show when they suffer it is permitted us to die but not to be sick 
"'Come, Maud, my dear, let us leave the invalid to her repose and to nature. "'I don't think she needs my chloroform and opium at present.' "'Milady is herself as physic, which chases many things, "'and powerfully affects the ear. "'I would wish to sleep, notwithstanding, "'and can but gain that in silence, if it pleases Milady.' "'Come, my dear,' said Lady Knollys, without again glancing at the scowling, smiling, swarthy face in the bed. "'Let us leave your instructress to her conforto.' "'The room smells all over of brandy, my dear. Does she drink?' said Lady Knollys, as she closed the door a little sharply. I am sure I looked as much amazed as I felt at an imputation which then seemed to me so entirely incredible.' "'Good little simpleton,' said Cousin Monica, smiling in my face and bestowing a little kiss on my cheek. "'Such a thing as a tipsy lady has never been dreamt of in your philosophy. "'Well, we live and learn. Let us have our tea in my room. The gentlemen, I dare say, have retired.' I assented, of course, and we had tea very cosily by her bedroom fire. "'How long have you had the woman?' she asked suddenly, after— for her a very long rumination she came at the beginning of february nearly ten months ago is it not and who sent her i really don't know papa tells me so little he arranged it all himself i think cousin monica made a sound of acquiescence her lips closed and a nod frowning hard at the bars it is very odd she said how people can be such fools here there came a little pause and what sort of a person is she do you like her very well that is pretty well you won't tell but she rather frightens me i'm sure she does not intend it but somehow i am very much afraid of her she does not beat you said cousin monica with an incipient frenzy in her face that made me love her oh no nor ill-use you in any way no upon your honour and word maud no upon my honour you know i won't tell her anything you say to me and i only want to know that i may put an end to it my poor little cousin thank you cousin monica very much but really and truly she does not ill-use me nor threaten you child well no no she does not threaten and how the plague does she frighten you child well i really am half ashamed to tell you you'll laugh at me and i don't know that she wishes to frighten me but there is something it's not there ghosty you know about her ghosty is there well i'm sure i don't know but i suspect there's something devilish i mean she seems roguish does not she and i really think she has had neither cold nor pain but has just been shamming sickness to keep out of my way i perceived plainly enough that cousin monica's damnatory epithet referred to some retrospective knowledge which she was not going to disclose to me you knew madame before I said, who is she? She assures me she is Madame de la Rougierre. 
and i suppose in french phrase she so calls herself answered lady knollys with a laugh but uncomfortably i thought oh dear cousin monica do tell me is she is she very wicked i am so afraid of her how should i know dear maud but i do remember her face and i don't very much like her and you may depend on it i will speak to your father in the morning about her and don't darling ask me any more about her for i really have not very much to tell you that you would care to hear and the fact is i won't say any more about her there and cousin monica laughed and gave me a little slap on the cheek and then a kiss well just tell me this well i won't tell you this nor anything not a word curious little woman the fact is i have little to tell and i mean to speak to your father and he i am sure will do what is right so don't ask me any more and let us talk of something pleasanter there was something indescribably winning it seemed to me in cousin monica old as she was she seemed to me so girlish compared with those slow unexceptionable young ladies whom i had met in my few visits at the country houses by this time my shyness was quite gone and i was on the most intimate terms with her you know a great deal about her cousin monica but you won't tell me nothing i should like better if i were at liberty little rogue but you know after all i don't really say whether i do know anything about her or not or what sort of knowledge it is but tell me what you mean by ghosty and all about it so i recounted my experiences to which so far from laughing at me she listened with very special gravity does she write and receive many letters i had seen her write letters and supposed though i could only recollect one or two that she received in proportion are you mary quince asked my lady cousin mary was arranging the window curtains and turned dropping a curtsey affirmatively toward her you wait on my little cousin miss ruthyn don't you yes am said mary in her genteelest way does anyone sleep in her room yes am i please my lady and no one else no m please my lady not even the governess sometimes no please my lady never you are quite sure my dear said lady knollys transferring the question to me oh no never i answered cousin monica mused gravely i fancied even anxiously into the grate then stirred her tea and sipped it still looking into the same point of our cheery fire i like your face mary quince i'm sure you are a good creature she said suddenly turning toward her with a pleasant countenance i'm very glad you have got her dear i wonder whether austin has gone to his bed yet i think not i am certain he is either in the library or in his private room papa often reads or prays alone at night and and he does not like to be interrupted no no of course not it will do very well in the morning lady knollys was thinking deeply as it seemed to me and so you are afraid of goblins my dear she said at last with a faded sort of smile turning toward me well if i were i know what i should do 
as soon as i and good mary quince here had got into my bedchamber for the night i should stir the fire into a good blaze and bolt the door do you see mary quince bolt the door and keep a candle lighted all night you'll be very attentive to her mary quince for i-i don't think she is very strong and she must not grow nervous so get to bed early and don't leave her alone do you see and-and remember to bolt the door mary quince and i shall be sending a little christmas box to my cousin and i shan't forget you good night and with a pleasant curtsey mary fluttered out of the room End of chapter 11